Welcome to Crossbridge. My name is Kevin Donahoe, and I am the lead pastor here. And um, as always, I'm excited to share with you. We are one church in a variety of locations. So welcome to our Peru campus and Pastor Kevin. Welcome to our Morris campus and Brian. And welcome uh, our online campus and Pastor Tricia. So, uh, hey, one thing I want to tell you about. So I always tell you, right? Some of you probably get tired of hearing it. Hey, we're one church in a variety of locations. But we're going to have an opportunity coming up to practice this one church thing. In fact, we're calling it um, One Good Friday. We're going to gather at our Ottawa campus at 5.30 and 7.30 p.m., and we are going to celebrate Good Friday together. In fact, uh, I think it's going to be a very meaningful service that you're going to want to be a part of, and what a great opportunity for all of our campuses to come together. In fact, even our online campus, you know, there's many of you I've probably never even met, and maybe you live locally, and what a great chance for you to walk through the doors there at the Ottawa campus and to be a part of maybe even some of these people that you've never seen before. And so I just want to welcome you. I'm looking forward to it. Also, just a quick reminder, Easter, you know, right after Good Friday, it's going to be a great celebration. Keep inviting people, right? We've made those cards available to you, and uh, we are really looking forward to Good Friday and Easter. Hey, I hope you've been um, reading that devotional book that we challenged you with last week. In fact, um, here it is, right? I've been reading it myself, and uh, uh, I'm trying to read ahead of you. So I've read the second week. If you haven't had a chance to get this, you can go to our app or our website, look under events. You can still order it. If you're like, man, how would I know what chapter we're on? Just go to our Facebook page. You know, we'll, we'll help you figure that out. Um, but we would love for you to, to read with us. And, and when I think about this book, in fact, I looked at the week that you're going to be reading, right? And here's what I, I was looking through some of the chapters. Here's what they are, right? Because um, some of the titles. It's questions like, am I proud? Am I defeated in any area of my life? There was the one chapter that says, do I get out of bed on time and get up on time? I was like, that's interesting, right? Do I grumble and complain constantly? And then one I saw that I thought was really interesting, am I a slave to dress, friends, work, or habits? You know, I was thinking about these questions, and I read them. In fact, Monday, last, last Monday when I was writing this sermon, I, I was reading through these chapters, and I thought, well, like, what do I preach on that really kind of encapsulates these ideas that, that we're going to be reading about? Um, tough questions, but good questions. But when it really comes down to it, the heading for these chapters was talking about this reflection upon our inner selves, taking a look at our inner selves, not just a quick look, but actually a long look, a focused look, even if it doesn't look good, that we would look inside and we'd ask ourselves some really important questions the kinds of questions that could actually mean change for us. And so I was actually laying in bed um, the night before I was going to write this, and I was thinking, oh, Lord, help me. Like, I've read these chapters, but I, I'm still not sure, like, how to preach these. And a couple scriptures came to mind. Let me tell you the first one. Romans chapter 12 from the message says this. So here's what I want you to do. God helping you. Take your everyday ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for Him. 
Don't become so well, well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants for you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you and develops well-formed maturity in you. It's like, man, like when I think about these things we're going to be reading, it's about our everyday, ordinary lives. And so what would it look like to bring these everyday, ordinary kinds of things and put them before God and say, hey, if I'm going to make some adjustments in my everyday, ordinary kind of life, I'm going to need your help to do so. And then um, I still was like, okay, so this is kind of where my, my brain was going, right? I'm kind of letting you on the inside of the sermon process. I thought, okay, so if, if I was going to ask God to help me in my everyday, ordinary life, still, like, what, what does that look like? And, and what would I share with people in, in regards to that? And a prayer came to mind. In fact, it's, it's really a prayer that um, David prayed in Psalms, Psalms 139. And here, we're just going to focus really on two verses for this sermon. And here it is. Here's this prayer, okay? Then hopefully by the end of this sermon, we're going to make it our prayer. It says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. Now, okay, let's just talk about foundation, right? Why would we pray that prayer? And, uh, and let's be honest, that's a pretty invasive prayer. Test me, search me, uh, point out anything in me that offends you, right? Um, that's a humbling kind of invasive prayer to pray. And yet, he, here's what I want us to think about. Most of us, when we think about our deep inner selves, when we think about making adjustments in here, we think, hey, well, we know ourselves better than anyone, Right? And I would say for the most part, that's probably true. But there is one who knows you better, the one who made you and the one who lives inside of you. And I want you to kind of start with that foundation, okay? So who knows your hearts better than the one who takes residence in us? Here's what 1 Corinthians says. Don't you know that you're, you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells, lives in your midst? Or listen to this one. But now, O Jacob, listen to the Lord who created you. O Israel, the, war, the one who formed you says, do not be afraid for I've ransomed you. I called you by name, you are mine. When you go through the deep waters, I'll be with you. When you go through the rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. When you walk through the fire of oppression, you will not be burned up. The flames will not consume you. It's, it's this idea that God created us, God knows us, and he takes residence in us. So, why would we be resistant to talking with him about making maybe these deep changes inside of us from the one who knows us best? I was, I was thinking about Pastor Kevin Hancock in Peru. He was telling me not long ago, he said, um, he was talking about you know, some work he was doing at his house. And he said, Kevin, I'm kind of like just weird about this. I uh, hope he doesn't mind me sharing this. Um, but he was saying, I, I'm kind of weird about this, but like, I don't like other people coming into my house and working on my house. Like, it's my house, and I just, I want to be the one who works on it. And, um, and I was like, yeah, that's interesting, because I'm kind of the opposite, right? Like, you know, I, I'm not very handy, so I'm always inviting someone in my house to, to work on it, right? And so, but I also was thinking about this message, and I thought, 
you know, if Kevin lives in a house long enough, Kevin Hancock, he's going to know his house. He'll know the ins and outs of it. Many of you probably, you know your house very well because you live in it. You, you know the little, you know, kind of notches in the wall. You know where the electrical panel is. You know where to turn off the water on the water. And if I were to walk in your house, I wouldn't know those things. In fact, you are probably like the one who knows the most about your house, except for the one who built it. This is the same kind of um, way I want you to think. Like, if we're going to give anybody else permission to speak to us about our inner selves, why wouldn't it be God? Why wouldn't it be the one who created us and knows us better than anyone else? So let's just, let's dive in, okay? Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me. It's going to start with that first piece. Search me, O God. Like, this is probably, man, this is important. This is a big piece of, of this prayer. Um, think about it this way. Uh, a couple weeks ago, I had a friend who uh, was, was basically saying, hey, I've got this product I'd love to share with you. It's a cleaning product. It'll help clean your house, gets rid of the germs. And, um, and so, you know, we're, we're, we like to be clean people, right? We like the house to be clean. So we were like, sure, come on over. And my wife told me, she said, hey, when she comes over, she's going to bring a black light. And, and we're going to go in the kid's bathroom and we're going to take a look. And she said, I want them to see how dirty their bathroom is. So I'm not going to tell them to clean it. I, I mean, because here's the thing. We ride them about cleaning that bathroom all the time, right? Drives us crazy. And so sure enough, this person shows up, right? We go in their bathroom, all like, so there's five of us jammed in their bathroom. We flip out the lights and we shine that black light around their toilet area, right? Oh my word, it, it made my skin crawl, right? And I was looking at that like, oh, in fact, I said, kids, like I told you so, right? You're not cleaning well. And, and even, you know, my son and my daughter were like, oh, what is that, right? And, and I mean, like I didn't, I didn't want to go in there before, but let me tell you something, like there is no way I'm, I'll go to the neighbors and go to the bathroom before I go in their bathroom. But fast forward, right? So we, we looked at it and then we said, kids, you got some work to do, right? Like it was one of those, I told you so's. It was one of those coaching moments. In fact, I found a lot of pleasure in it. But then the person who showed us this black light bathroom, she said, okay, well, let's go look at your bathroom. And I was like, okay. Um, I was thinking, I, I mean, I didn't, I wasn't thinking that was what was next, right? So we go to my bathroom, um, well, let's just call it Rachel's bathroom. We go to Rachel's bathroom and flip out the lights. And, we, and, and I was expecting, we clean. We clean that bathroom. We, we shine that light. And I was like, oh. Like all of a sudden, I saw things in my bathroom that I wasn't happy with either. Now I can't use my bathroom either. I, I'm, the only bathroom I'm going to use in the house is the one in the basement because the only one we didn't shine the black light on. But, but I say this, like, and my kids were like, oh, look, you don't clean yours either, right? And, and, and so... Now I'm not sure whether to trust the black light or not, but I will say this, right? All of us, all of us have some mess in our lives. The truth is it's a lot easier to look to our neighbors and pick apart their mess than to shine the light inside and look at ours. It's embarrassing. It's humbling. It's overwhelming. And yet here, here's what I, I do believe. I believe that God wants us he wants to say, I love you so much that I can shine this black light on your life. And even when I see things that aren't pretty, I want to help you with them. I love uh, the scripture quote that I just kind of read you out of uh, Romans that says, don't become so well adjusted to your culture 
that you fit into it without even thinking. Don't just continue like to assume, right? That it's just all good. But let's take a moment and say, God, search my heart. Search it. Know my heart. Test me. Now, we read on in that prayer and it says this. Know my anxious thoughts. Test my anxious thoughts. And this one, this one caused me to like, this, this was probably good for me. Um, in fact, listen, listen to a, a scripture passage here. 2 Corinthians 10, 5 says this. We destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. We capture their rebellious thoughts and we teach them to obey Christ. And let's go on to Philippians. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice all you learned and received from me, everything you heard from me and saw me doing. Then the God of peace will be with you. You know, there's been many times in my life when um, <clears throat> I think my own head leads me in bad places. In fact, um, some thought gets started, and I, sometimes I don't even know where they come from, right? But some anxious thought gets started, and then it just keeps spinning, and it keeps spinning, and it gets bigger, and it gets bigger. And all of a sudden, I, I end up, like my thoughts determine my beliefs. My thoughts determine how I enter conversations. And sometimes, I mean, it, it's just not logical, and it just doesn't make sense. And, and, and there are times where I get to a certain place, and I know that some sort of thought has kind of taken over and it's led me to a bad place because um, I really just haven't given God a chance to transform my way of thinking. You know, I, I go back to that scripture I just read you when it says we capture those rebellious thoughts and we teach them to obey Christ. What would it look like for us to begin to say, God, I need you to take these thoughts, these anxious thoughts, these thoughts that like, they take me down the wrong path they take me in the wrong direction, that you would capture them early, that you'd make me aware of when I'm doing some stinking thinking. And then you would begin to transform those to help me to think like you would want me to think. To think in a way which always doesn't lead me to worst case scenario, but leads me to seeing your perspective. For many of us, that would be a really, really good kind of prayer to pray. That prayer, if we continue, search me, O God, know my heart, test me, and know my anxious thoughts. Now, listen to this one. Point out anything that offends you. Point out anything in me that offends you. Boy, now you talk about just laying your heart open before God. Um, hey, God, uh, man, just show me, right? Just just point it out. Um, most of us, that that's probably a pretty hard prayer as well. Um, the word that came to mind for me when I was thinking about this is the word conviction. That's a church word, right? It's a church word that I grew up with. Uh, I looked it up just for definition's sake, and here's what it says. The act of convicting someone, as in a court of law, a declaration that a per- person is guilty of an offense. So how I grew up thinking about conviction was that I, I would go to church and I would hear a, a preacher preach sometimes like, whoo, some blazing types of sermons, right? And inside, I would just feel and know that I was guilty. Guilty, convicted as charged, right? Um, 
And that's what we call conviction. In fact, um, I remember this will never happen at Crossbridge, I promise you. But as a kid, I still have like scary thoughts of this. Every once in a while, a special pastor would come, we called, them, we called it revival, right? Some of you may have grown up with that. And a special pastor would come, they would preach like from Sunday to Thursday, they would preach way too long. My parents would make me go every night and they would preach like, oh, they'd preach hard, like at you, right? And I also <laughs> remember very clearly there was an evangelist that came and not only did he preach like very like directed at us, right? And really coming at you. But I remembered at the end of the service, he'd have us bow our heads and he would open up the altars. Sometimes we, we do that at Crossbridge as well. And he would invite us. But then I remember <laughs> that he started like walking up and down the aisles as he was praying. And, and I remember him, like there was a guest there and he walked up and he put his arm on the guy and he tried to get him, like, like pull him down to the altar. And I thought, oh my, like, does he know that I feel guilty? Is he gonna pull me down to that altar? It was like scariest church story ever. No fear, like, you know, Tricia, Kevin, Brian, myself. Nobody's coming to pull you, right? All that is out. I tell you that though, because... It kind of informs even how I pastor. Um, I still believe in that the Holy Spirit can show us where we're guilty, that the Holy Spirit can still convict us of sin. In fact, here's what the Bible says about that. John 16 says, talking about the Spirit, and when he comes, he will convict the world of its sin and of God's righteousness and of the coming judgment. Here's what Acts 2 says, which is really interesting. Peter has just preached this sermon that is like a great sermon. And here's what it says about it. Peter's words pierced their hearts. And they said to him, to the other apostles, brothers, what should we do? I love that picture. It says, so think about it. This sermon, it pierced their hearts. It it means when I read that, I think it got deep on them. There was a sense of, uh, I got some things that, that need to be changed. And then listen to the question that was asked. The question that was asked is, what should we do? Man, when the Holy Spirit, and here's what I believe. I believe I don't have to walk the aisles. I believe I don't have to like, you know, yell and scream at you and and preach in a way which I spit all over you, right? Because I believe this. I believe the Holy Spirit, when his word is written and when the truth is talked about, that he is the one who can poke and probe and pierce your heart in a way in which you know whether you're guilty or not guilty, a way in which you know whether change is needed or not needed. And I trust that the Holy Spirit can do that. But I still think there's a part that we play in this. There's some participation. That participation is this, that we would say, what should I do? I'm so glad you asked, right? What should I do? Listen to that final point. Lead me along. So it says, point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. Here's the big picture, right? That all of us would live our lives in a way in which brings glory and honor to God, that we would follow him, that we'd be followers of him, that ultimately would lead us to our heavenly home when we leave this life. That we would live this life in thought of the life to come. Now listen, I get it, that struggle's real. The world tends to take us one direction, And Jesus tends to offer us to move the opposite. But I do think when we say, what should we do? That is the answer. The answer is to recognize when we're moving 
against the grain, against the grain in which the path in which Jesus has laid out for us. When we get caught up in this culture, when we get caught up moving the wrong direction against what the life that God would have for us, and that we would just be willing to say, okay, now I see it. Now I hear it. Thanks for pointing it out. And now we turn, we turn from that direction and begin to walk towards him. Acts 3 says, repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out and the times of refreshing may come from the Lord. You know, what, what a great picture that we can actually pray this kind of prayer that would say, search my heart, heart, oh God, know me, test my anxious thoughts. That, that we could pray um, that prayer that would say, point out anything in me that offends you. And then we would say, God, lead me along the path that will lead me to everlasting life. And if that is really the journey we want to walk, and if that's really our destination, that we would invite God in to allow him to help us to live in a way which will get us there, that weeds out all this other stuff in our life, that begins to point the things out in our deep inner selves. You know, there's questions like, is there any hurtful way in our hearts? Would you trust God enough to ask him to expose and to root out all the things that are displeasing to him? Do you have the courage to become vulnerable as you ask him to look into your heart to see if anything there needs to be dealt with? Ultimately, will you trust God with the things that probably no one else has ever even seen? The things that you keep hidden, the things that only you know, but the truth is God even knows them better than you do. Uh, today, um, we're going to come and we're going to take communion together. We're going to do it at all of our campuses. We're going to do it online. Uh, we're going to do it in Morris, Peru. Um, and I think when we come together for communion, it's a, it's a beautiful thing. In fact, it's, it's one of the ways that we acknowledge this one who invites us to turn from our sins, to know him, and, and to receive this, this life eternal that he's offered us that actually starts here. But here's what I also know about communion. As we come to the table, we're also invited to examine our hearts, that, that we would take very seriously this act of, of coming before and remembering what Christ has done for us, because the truth is, it's a pretty serious thing. You, you think about... Um, Man, the pain and the suffering and the love that was wrapped up in what Jesus did for us when he gave his life for us. And so I don't think he wants us to enter that flippantly. I don't think he wants us just to pop the bread and pop the juice and not think about it. I, I think he wants us to really examine ourselves, to say, man, do, do I understand what happened? And am I living a way in which I'm honoring what happened? 1 Corinthians puts it this way. In the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this in remembrance of me as often as you drink it. For every time you eat this and drink this cup, you're announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. So anyone who eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord unworthily is guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. That is why you should examine yourself before eating the bread, and drinking the cup. Here's, here's where I want us to think about. I, I think this is a great opportunity to practice this prayer. You know, not only is this prayer going to be good as we go into this week, 
and we begin to read these, these devotional thoughts about our deep inner selves. But this prayer is going to be good just to even begin practicing today as we come around the table. And so here's how I just want us, even right now, we're just, we're just going to practice together. I'm going to pray for you, and I'm going to pray this prayer, Psalm 139. And, um, and I want you to think about it. And, and maybe, maybe some of you would even say, Kevin, like, I struggle with prayer. And what I would say is it's okay to take some prayers from the Bible, from people who've also struggled. Think about the man who wrote this prayer, David, the one who had, you know, committed adultery and the one who had murdered and the one who had all kinds of deception to, to try to cover it up. And yet, for, for some reason, God was still like so interested in him. And I believe God was so interested in him because the Bible tells us like David had a heart that just wanted to get to know God. And so if you would, if you bow your heads with me, God, we we pray this prayer together. Search us, O God, and know our hearts. Test us and know our anxious thoughts. Point out anything in us that offends you and lead us along the path of everlasting life. Lord, we trust uh, uh, that you know us better than ourselves. And we come before you humbly. In Jesus' name, amen.